Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tribune Audio Network. And they came in and the first night was like magical. I mean, I sat in the wings and listened to that crowd and it was wall to wall people, right? Because they were at the top of their game and they hit the stage and the crowd was screaming. I went, Unbelievable. I can't believe we pulled this off. From the Fox 6 studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. The big gig is back. Now, besides beer and bratwurst, nothing says Milwaukee like Summerfest. A couple weeks before its 52nd year, I dropped by the bustling offices to chat with two of the men responsible for pushing the envelope and maintaining Summerfest's status as the world's largest music festival. Don Smiley helped bring Major League Baseball to South Florida and owns a World Series ring from his time as team president of the Florida Marlins. He took over as president and CEO of Summerfest in 2004 and has built a winner here as well, leaving major renovations aimed to keep Summerfest relevant for another 50 years. It's an arms race out there. It's, um, you really do have to have the facilities and the amenities um, to offer agents, bands, band managers. I mean, it, it's a small world. They all talk. Um, so you, you really have to be on top of that. And if you've loved a certain act over the last four decades, there's a good chance Bob Babish booked it. This will be his 42nd Summerfest, and he continues to piece together one of the most eclectic lineups of any music festival around. Plus, he has a story for everything. I remember Bon Jovi unloading his own truck in backstage at the rock stage one year. Same thing with, R- with R.E.M. one year. They were doing it before, it went, before R.E.M. got big. So you watch the band start to take off. It's pretty cool. So now that our stage is set, let's take you behind the scenes at the big gig. Wonderful time of year as we're getting ready for Summerfest and to the guys that make all that magic happen for 11 days. Joining us here, we have Don Smiley, the CEO and president of Milwaukee World Festival. Thanks for making some time for you us. You bet. Nice to, nice to be with you. And Bob Babish as well, the VP of Entertainment, handles so much of the booking and getting all those big names to town. Thank you, Bob. Always a pleasure. What is this time of year like for you guys? We're a few weeks out when we're taping this. Uh, I imagine the sleep is maybe not too much and, and only decreasing from here as we approach uh, June 26th. Well, sometimes you do wake up in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep. That That is a problem. Um, this is an exciting time putting a festival together. Most of the artists are booked. Yeah. Right? So now you talk about the production, how to make that work. But then you have, all, on the other side, I'm sure Don's going to talk about this, on the other side, you've got the new stages that are being done. You've got the Uline stage being finished, American Family Insurance Amphitheater being finished, and all the pieces going on to make sure that's ready. A lot, You know, when you look at the festival, the first two or three days, what people see on the front side is 
all calm and all doing well, and in the back, it's everybody just running like crazy trying to get it all organized. So it's this is just a part of that time period. Don, do you get a sense uh, uh, this far out about how the festival's going to go? Can you judge based on, on past years? or If you can tell me what the weather's going to be, <laughs> then, then I can tell you how the festival's going to go. Not a meteorologist, it, unfortunately. It's so, yeah. <laughs> it's so weather-dependent. Uh, um, Bob and his crew work all year long putting yeah. everything together along with Sarah and her team on the marketing side. Um, so it really is weather dependent. I mean, if we have good weather, we do well. Yeah. If um, if you have three days in the hundreds, that, that really doesn't bode well for, for an outdoor music festival. Yeah. So we keep our fingers crossed and um, we hope for good weather. We, we plan ahead. We're, uh, we're ready to go. We're ready to, um, you know, we'll do anywhere from... You know, seven hundred and fifty to eight hundred and fifty thousand fans wow. in any given year, depending on the weather. Uh, we contribute about one hundred eighty-seven million dollars to our local economy each and every year. So there's so much planning that goes behind it. It's it's really organized chaos <laughs> at, <laughs> at this point in time. There really isn't much sleep. Uh, every, you can see everyone is moving faster around the office and trying to get things done. Bob mentioned that we're, we built two stages this past winter. I was going to ask you, physically, what will people notice? Oh, they're is big they're differences. just absolutely beautiful. The Uline stage just turned out uh, gorgeous, and that's on the north side end of the grounds. And we just completed phase one of the American Family Insurance Amphitheater, which obviously is the south end of the grounds. We raised the roof in that uh, building 25 feet so that Bob can um, really reach out to tours and bands that n- you know need that size building to fit everything that they carry these days in the way of technology, audio, video, etc. Um, anything that fits in a stadium can now fit in this amphitheater. Wow. Anything that fits in an arena can can fit in this amphitheater. So we're real happy with that. We'll complete phase two next year at this time, and it will look like a completely different building. Can't wait to see it. I imagine that will open up only new opportunities for you guys on the booking side. Bob. Absolutely. And and as Don Don was talking about how we can put some bigger acts in there, that, that we, there were acts in the past that we lost. Yeah. I mean, we had them confirmed and ready to go until our production people talked to their production people, and they said, well, doesn't work doesn't fit in the building so we're going to go play somewhere else or we're just not we're going to skip milwaukee whatever the case may be so this gives us the opportunity to do some of those acts and get some of those big name acts in here and it's going to be a state-of-the-art facility i think it's going to be something that other amphitheaters around the country will come in and look at because we i know already people production people have come in and taken one look and go wow this is amazing because this will be the highest roof out there for an amphitheater wow and we'll give you the opportunity the, the the trimming height, which means where you can put up the lights, in a typical stadium show is 60 feet. We'll have more height than that. So we'll be able to put those size shows in. And a stage is temporary, so it comes and goes. We can take it out if we want, if a band wants to bring it, their own stage. And I believe that Jennifer Lopez is talking about bringing her own stage yeah. with trapdoors and things to give us the opportunity to show off that. Yeah, she's one of the headliners this year that yeah. everyone's looking forward July to. 3rd, uh, right. Of course. Uh, Tickets are available. All right, that's good to note. <laughs> we will always keep that in mind. Uh, you mentioned uh, so many of the performers already booked for this year. That, that happens over the course of the year, maybe even going back farther for some of the headliners. How 
how does that piecing together of the puzzle work from your end? Well, we have started on 2020 already. Wow. I mean, that, that process begins, and it seems to be getting earlier. You, you know, right? Year, year, yearly, it's getting earlier. I'm surprised how far out we're working on shows already. That pro- so the process begins now for the amphitheater. Bands are deciding if they want to tour in the 2020 time period, and we're putting offers in to try to be a part of that routing. The, the secondary stages, which aren't really secondary anymore, the, the Summerfest ground stages, we start that process right after the festival, and we put a list of 70 bands that we'd really like to see play Summerfest the next year, and we put those offers out there then, and the mm-hmm. process begins. Don, I know uh, you have such a baseball background. I remember reading one time about uh, there was a f- husband and wife duo that put together the Major League Baseball schedule, 30 teams, 162 games for each by hand, pretty much. They weren't using computers until uh, recently. Is it a little bit like that? It's, it's just kind of throw a bunch of stuff against the wall. Okay, we have to fit this band here, this band here. Well, you have to have an eclectic lineup. Yeah. You try not to have the same format on two stages on the same day. So the process, when the process begins, a band will say, a country act will say, okay, I'll play the Sunday, the second Sunday, or the second Saturday. You'll put it in there, then you'll try to put the rest of the schedule together without another country act on that second Saturday. And then a month later, they'll call up and say, eh, we got to do Friday. So now you take that band and move that around and change the whole schedule again. And that little chess game yeah. happens all from you know, from July on yeah. until we get it done. I think that's the one thing people don't really understand when you only have 11 days to work uh, for Summerfest, it really is a chess game as to how you line up the 11 headliners in the American Family Insurance Amphitheater plus all of the headliners on our ground stages, the Miller Light Oasis, the Briggs & Stratton stage, Harley stage, etc., etc. Uh, it really does become a chess game because you only have 11 days. I mean, they may say... Sure, we'd love to come play for you in September. Well, we're not working in September. You know, we're finished. So um, we, we do do shows outside of Summerfest, and we will do those one-off shows. But when you talk just strictly about the 11 days of Summerfest, it, it does, it's, it's a pretty tall order to um, try to get all the bands that, that you would like to get mm-hmm. and have that match up with their touring schedule because... They could be in Europe or they could be on the west coast of the United States or the east coast. So it all has to fit from a baseball perspective. um, I mean, the scheduler for baseball, you know, when I was involved, um, that was Katie Feeney. Uh, That that was a very difficult job. (laughs) I would not want that job. You know, I mean, you're talking about 162 games and all those clubs and everyone has different requests and... You're, you're playing the cold weather, warm weather game in early in the season and late in the season. So that gets to be dicey scheduling baseball games as well. But Bob and his staff have their work cut out for them just scheduling the 11 days of Summerfest and making sure that you have the right bands on the right days. Yeah. So it, it, it is a challenge. Among the, the many things that make Summerfest special, you mentioned the variety. You can see so many different types of music every day uh, over the course of the festival. I think the price point also separates it, too, from a lot of the other main festivals around. Is that, a, is that an advantage for you guys in terms of drawing both audiences and also the performers themselves, those, those kind of things? I think, I think people have um, really come to expect this incredible value that we offer with all of the bands that we sign 
for an incredible price point. I mean, you can't find that price point anywhere in the United States or the world to um, compare with with what we have for $23 a ticket. It, it, it's just not available. So, you know, it's always been a festival for the people. It's always been affordable for everyone. There's, a, you know, a multi- multitude of ways to get in to Summerfest for either free sure. or discounted uh, admissions. So... We're, we're pretty proud of that. You know, we're going on our 52nd year here, and that's always been somewhat of a, um, um, you know, a benchmark of, of Summerfest, the affordability of yeah. it, and everyone can afford to go to it and see and hear these great bands. From, and, from and the performer side of it, what's maybe special about an outdoor venue to a summer festival versus maybe an arena? We will have every year five or six times at least before the festival, an agent will call us and say, I have this baby band, Mm -hmm. and I need to get this guy or this band or this girl in front of a crowd. Mm -hmm. And he knows when he's going to play a festival like ours that if you have, say you have a headliner that's going to do 12,000, 13,000 people in the Harley Harley or the Miller area, then there's an opening act there, and then another act in front of that, Already, you probably have five, six thousand people in the building. That band would normally come through this market and play for fifty people in a club, right? So they'll come in for almost nothing—a couple hundred bucks just to get them in front of an audience, and and they remember that they played here, and and it becomes important to them in their career, and they come back later. We do an emerging artist series, and you have a band like a few years ago, like the Ex Ambassadors, who are headlining a stage this year that played in that series. We did uh, Florida Georgia Line at two o'clock in the afternoon one year. You know things like that, the bands remember and they come back and help us out on the other side. You, you mentioned know? a couple there, but any come to mind where, where you saw them and you said, okay, I think we're going to be watching this band for a while or they'll definitely kind of have what it takes. Oh, I, I'm sure we have through the years. Yeah. I mean, if you talk about the old days, we remember... He rolled the dice early on the Rolling Stones. He happened to be right. <laughs> yeah, 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 they're yeah. pretty talented. <laughs> <in that> old. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you, if you look at some of the bands we've had in the past, bon, I remember Bon Jovi unloading his own truck in backstage at the rock stage one year. Same thing with, R, with REM one year. They were doing it before, it went, before REM got big. So you watch the band start to take off. It's pretty cool. That is pretty great. Bon Jovi is one of my favorites, too, so I like that, uh, <laughs> that anecdote there. Uh, I imagine over 42 years for you, Bob, doing this, and Don, in your time uh, since 2004, just directing this festival. He's just a kid. Yeah, just a baby out here. Yeah, I only have 16 years in, so... The music yeah, still uh, a rookie. The music industry has to have changed dramatically over the course of that time, uh, certainly for you, Bob, but even over the last 16 years for you, Don. What have you seen both in terms of uh, maybe what's popular, what's necessary for artists? That's one of the things that's so exciting about this job. You watch the changes that happen. We were talking this morning about Billie Eilish. Yeah. Now here's, here's an artist that, that is 17 years old, writes for the audience that's 17 to 25, something like that, and it's a little darker than the kind of music, the pop world you see with the Taylor Swifts of the world, in the pop world, and you start to wonder if that message isn't coming across to her audience, and that's why it happens so fast. And you watch the trends in music change, and I think that's coming up in the pop world, what you're hearing with the Billie Eilishes yeah. of the world. You know, so that's pretty cool, and you hear that all the time. You always watch the new trends and the new changes. 
I imagine uh, it just says everything you need to know about Summerfest that Billie Eilish at 17 and Willie Nelson are both going to be performing on the same <laughs> stage over the course of uh, the festival. And Snoop Dogg. I yeah, right. Too, you, know? <laughs> you can find it all. Uh, What's interesting, too, is how people get their music. I mean, that's changed over the years. You know, I mean, people used to buy albums and then they were buying CDs and now they're downloading music and touring has become a big piece of the pie for these bands. And because of the fact that people are downloading one song at a time and, and um, CD sales may not be what they were in the past, uh, so touring has taken on a whole new importance to a lot of these yeah. bands and, and uh, creates a major part of their revenue stream. Has that changed, too, from the, the stages as you guys develop them that you need to plan for that? I imagine it's a it's difficult that so much has happened on the grounds over the past few years, not only to maybe play catch-up and get the stages back to a, a, a quality that they needed to be, but also trying to project into the future for what musicians will want, what artists will want. I mean, that bar keeps you know being raised. I mean, it's an arms race out there. Yeah. It's... Um, you really do have to have the facilities and the amenities um, to offer agents, bands, band managers. I mean, it, it's a small world. They all talk. Um, so you, you really have to be on top of that. And the money and the plan that we've executed here in re- basically rebuilding Henry Meyer Festival Park from a stage perspective... I, I think that's played well for the festival because the bands that Bob works with and the agents that he works with, I mean, th- they expect that because they see it throughout the world. And, and um, you know, we're no different. I mean, because we're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, doesn't make us any different when it comes to that. The expectations are still high. Yeah. I mean, and you, and you talk about how things have changed even in the social world. How, how you market bands or how bands market themselves. Another going back to Billie Eilish again, it, it was amazing. Just one tweet from her sold out, basically sold out the building because she said, yeah, we're going to do a pre-sale starting at 10 o'clock. And boom, everybody knew that it was a pre-sale at 10 o'clock. Um, the guys from the bleachers, Jack Antonoff, about, uh, I'd say about a day before they decided they were going to play here, he put out a tweet that said, hey, guys, should I play Summerfest this year? And he got this whole wad of, of tweets coming back, retweets saying, yeah, you should, you should, you should, you should. So they called up and said, yeah, okay, we'll do it. And you're like, <laughs> you know, ah, this yeah. is making my job nice. But you see, you see that in the marketing world, yeah. too. You see that even in how instant messaging is. It's so fast how the Summerfest app, how important that is. You can get the information out when a band cancels, information out if weather gets bad. All those kinds of things are important. Yeah. Do your guys' kids think you guys are like the coolest dads ever because <laughs> you're so in touch and so in <laughs> no. the... It depends on what you're talking about. <laughs> no. I, I, I will tell you this, though. I, I, I got the highest compliment I could get. You know, My son's 30. He said, Dad, he said, you've got the coolest iPod, or the lineup on my, iPod, on my um, iPod. And, you know, when you hear that from a 30-year-old, that, that, that's, that's pretty lofty. Uh, but it wasn't that way when I first got here. I was pretty much, you know, boxed in to, to what I liked. And, and it's when I started working with Bob and this whole gang around here that, you know, my, my whole list just exploded. And... Um, you know, when you hear it from your son like that, that's pretty good. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting though. I think the way things have changed once again because how easy it is to get a hold of music. That I've got a twenty-year-old, and he, he when he was sixteen, he was listening to Led Zeppelin. You know, every all different genres of music he was hitting all the time. Now my daughter, of course, it's a different story. She thinks all the stuff I listen to is wrong. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but it's it's amazing that the younger generation will go and see Sticks, will go and see Foreigner because they've heard it all already. Yeah, you know, it's all cool to them. Yeah, we've had uh, conversations about that just in the newsroom about how uh, you know it's so easy to just call something up on Spotify or on Pandora right. or something, and all of a sudden it opens up this whole library that maybe uh, younger. When Paul Simon get. was here recently, we had a we had a really um, diverse crowd for Paul Simon. When I, when it comes to age, I mean, there were people I grew up with Paul Simon, and then the kids were there as well. Yeah. So that was interesting to see. Bob, from a booking standpoint, how, how do you kind of stay relevant, stay on top of the trends in terms of who's up and coming, who's someone to look out for if it's not necessarily uh, your cup of tea? Well, there's a couple of different ways we follow the trades. We listen to new, new music coming out. Apple's got a great radio station that we listen to all the time. But, but more than that, I mean, talent buyers, talent buying family, if you will, in America is not that big. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks all the time. And we talk to people on the West Coast, and we talk to people on the East Coast, or maybe even agents are bringing us new things to take a listen to. You start looking at trends, what's worked in other markets, what worked for you in the past, what you hear is coming up. I mean, you just you try every which way you can to hear what's new out there. Yeah. You try to keep relevant. I'd love to hit some of the... Uh some of the favorites uh, over the course of the years. Uh, everyone, of course, goes back to 2015 and 2016, the back-to-back. Can you tell us some of the stories behind the scenes about booking the Rolling Stones, finally getting them here to Summerfest, and then Paul McCartney the following year? Well, I'll do the Rolling Stones. Um, that was kind of interesting. We'd, we'd wanted that band for forever, and we had talked to the, the people that were doing putting the tours together for a long, long time, and... Uh, the, it, the company was called AEG that was putting their tour together, and they had been in the building before when they had Prince. And Prince had played the building a couple of times, and Prince loved the building because the, the house, the audience house, if you will, it rakes up real fast. So you, even though you have 23,000 people, it always feels like they're right on top of you. So the Stones, when they were going out, wanted to do a bunch of stadiums, but a couple of special things. So they had remembered how much fun Prince had here, so they asked the Stones if they were interested in doing it here. And I'm driving, one day I'm just driving down to Illinois to work on a show that I was doing down there. And my phone rings, and it's the AEG guys. And the guy just said, you want to do a Stones date this year? <laughs> and I was like, let me pull the car over for yeah. a second, okay? <laughs> probably don't want to be too distracted. And, and that's that really point. how it started. I came back and said to Don, you won't believe this. Stones? From something Stones. I read, too, your... Uh over the course of the festival, you don't get to watch full sets. You'll watch a couple songs of different bands, but maybe made an exception for I the Stones? I think we all get to watch just a couple songs. We never okay. sit down and watch a concert because no one has time for that. But we, I made an exception on that one. I stood in a little corner for a good you know, 40 minutes, I bet, and watched it. It was, it was very cool. You've got a band that's in their 70s, and they, they just rocked. Yeah. And they rocked for two and a half hours. You know, there's still... A few of those guys that can make it, the War Horses, you know, it's the Springsteens of the world and the Stones, those guys, McCartney, those guys can still work that long, yeah. you know? How about for you, Don, any uh, favorites or ones that stand out? There's the so many in 16 years. It, it, it's just, I have a eight and a half by 11 um, photograph from every band that has played in the amphitheater um, since 2004. And I was looking through it the other day and, I mean, there's just too many. There's too many bands that, that have come through here that I just thought was fantastic. And um, 
you know, to have the Rolling Stones and McCartney back to back, that was that was pretty special. Bruno Mars was special. Yeah, he's great live. Um, but you know, th- there's there's just so many. I mean, it, it, it's it would be impossible to start listing them. Yeah. You know, in 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 a prior life, I I used to run a stadium in Miami, and um, when I was president of the Marlins, there's a World Series ring packed away somewhere, right? There is. And uh, I think there's a trophy too. Yeah, that too. <laughs> beat the Cleveland Indians, just FYI. <laughs> um, so we, you know, we we did sh- we did shows down there as well. We did Elton John and Billy Joel together. We did the Three Tenors. Um, the Rolling Stones had come through um, that stadium. They're going back to uh, what is now Hard Rock Stadium at the end of August, which should be interesting with all that heat <laughs> and rain and so on. In, in at the end of August to see how the Stones do and in that type of climate. But, you know, it, it, it's just music has been such a huge part of my life for so long. Uh, it, it's just been really uh, gratifying and, yeah. and, and important to me. And when, when I landed here and, you know, saw the work that Bob was doing along with his staff, I mean, it just fit in. It was just perfect. I was trying to uh, do my research and uh, talk to some of your coworkers, your cohorts here at Milwaukee World Festival beforehand. They warned me, don't even bother asking you, Bob. The uh, band's still out there. You want to book. You won't answer that question. So I'll I'll twist it a little bit to a positive side. What's one, uh, maybe besides the Stones, that you're especially or particularly proud of landing, that maybe had a good story behind it or took some work, took some years? Sure. There was uh, years ago, there was uh, two days of Pearl Jam. And we had them here, and this was a long time ago, and just... Like a week before we had the dates, they were having a battle with a ticketing company at that time called Ticketron. And they were upset about ticket fees that, that the audience was paying, so they canceled all their dates. And they canceled our two dates with a week to go. And we went, wow, you can't do that. They're both sold out. So we went on this campaign, and we basically begged and begged and begged and said, you can't do it. Our ticketing fees are the lowest anywhere. You just can't do this. And they came back with about five days left or four days left, something like that, and said, okay, we'll do the days. And they came in, and the first night was, like, magical. I mean, I sat in the wings and listened to that crowd, and it was wall-to-wall people, right, because they were at the top of their game. And they hit the stage, and the crowd was screaming. I went, Unbelievable! I can't believe we pulled this off, but we managed to get that date. So that ranks way up there. But yeah. now you got me started because now I'm going to tell you a Pearl Jam story. So this was a different tour they were doing, and Eddie Vedder was on the grounds just walking around. He wanted to see what was going on. He was out there with a baseball hat, just cruising. And we had a, a Patsy Cline, Neil Diamond group called Lightning and Thunder on the grounds. And the guy who was doing Neil Diamond was doing his song, and Eddie came back and said... I want that guy to open for me tonight, all right? So my assistant, Scott, I say, Scott, go get him. His name was Mike Sardini. I say, go get Mike. Tell him to come up here. So he brings him up. He said, guess what? You're opening for Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam tonight. He goes, I can't do it. I can't do it. I said, you're going to do it. You're going to be here at this time. You're going to do this. He comes back. He's got his guitar. He's backstage. He's pacing. He's pacing. Scott's got him in a corner. Make sure he doesn't run away. He looks out in the curtain, and there's 23,000 people out there, right? And he's probably played to 500 people in his life. And he's completely freaked out. And he's going, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to do this. So we put on his guitar, and we just shove him out there, right? And he's doing his, his thing, and he starts, like, one of the Neil Diamond songs, and out comes Eddie Vedder. And they do the duet together. And the crowd goes 
absolutely crazy, right? And it's over, and he comes off, and he goes home, and the tour manager says, Eddie wants him to open again tomorrow. So we call him up, and we say, Mike, Eddie wants you to open again tomorrow. And he thinks for a second, he goes, okay, I need my own dressing room. I need wow. 10 tickets. I need a hot meal. <laughs> it's that <laughs> quick. <laughs> We said, no, you're just no, going to show up. That's yeah, what it's going to be. turn from can doing it to, to, a, to a mega star It's like he didn't overnight. have a heart attack on day one and yeah. he's making demands by <laughs> night two. I've heard that, though, that uh, the, the biggest names really enjoy the festival aspect of it. They'll walk around, try oh, yeah. to stay low profile and, and just kind of soak in Summerfest, maybe check out a band or and pop so, on stage. And some of the fun was those little jam sessions. You know, I remember uh, John Mayer getting up once with Buddy Guy. That was kind of cool. It's all little stuff like that. It was it's yeah. always fun. Don, you have such a, a, an interesting resume. We've mentioned the Marlins and some of the baseball background, Blockbuster in your background as well. Uh, how did this come about as, as you taking over Summerfest, and, and how have maybe those previous experiences translated well to your role leading Summerfest? How did it come Festival? about? Um, I was playing golf with a friend of mine in Florida who happened to be an executive recruiter for a, a company in New York, and he took a phone call in a golf cart and, of course, I, I can hear him. He's sitting right next to me. And they're talking about a music festival in, in Milwaukee. And he had just gotten the assignment to find a president and CEO. And so he hung up. And I said, well, you must have been talking about Summerfest. Because I'm from Racine originally. Yep. And uh, he said, well, yeah, how would you know that? And he said, oh, you're, you're from Wisconsin. Because I had been, I'd spent a lot of years in Florida prior to that. Um, but he recalled I was from Wisconsin, and then he started asking me about the event, and one thing led to another, and he said, would you want to interview for that? I, I was in between things. We had just sold the Marlins, yeah. and I said, geez, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about it except I used to sneak up there as a kid from Racine, and um, you didn't drink that, illegally, did you? No, yeah. no never. No, we never. <laughs> Certainly not on a hot microphone. The drinking, <laughs> the drinking age was eighteen. There then, you go. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I was pretty. It was close. Um, and one thing led to another, and I went through the process, and and here I am. I remember a couple of guys on the search committee. They said, "Ah, he he won't last. He you know he he'll take the job and mo- and move on." Well, that was sixteen years later. And um, I think there's a lot of similarities between, um, you know, running a major league baseball team and working here at Summerfest in that, um, you know, I look at Bob like a general manager in baseball. The general manager in baseball is responsible for the player moves, player acquisitions, and so on. He's responsible for band acquisitions and, and deals and so on and so forth, which we discuss and we make sure that we're cool on the financial side of, of what it is that we're contemplating or, or discussing at the time, um, given each band that we sign. But he really handles that part of it, and the GM and the ba- baseball side handles that part of it. And then I kind of look over the business and the facilities and the operations, and there's a lot of um, uh, similarities yeah. in that. You know, you've got marketing, you've got merchandising, you have security, you have parking, food and beverage, um, maintenance, et cetera, et cetera. So um, 
you know, whether it's a football team or a basketball team or baseball team or a the world's largest music festival, you can you can really take those skills and and um, you know they 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 play well together. Here's another thing about Mr. Smiley. Um, we on the music side, we're worrying about what's happening this year. We, we're starting to worry about what's happening maybe in 2020. He's got his eye on what's happening 10 years down the road, 12 years down the road. He's talking about his designs, what we're going to do, what we're going to build here, what we're going to build there, what's going to happen. And that's the vision that he brings to the event, which is so important to what we do. And all of a sudden you have these renovated stages that you can take Just to the like artists. that. Huh? Well, we yeah. have 58 years between us. There you go. So, you know, we're not going to do this forever, so we have to get it ready. Uh-huh. We have to get we have to get the uh, prepare the um the 75 acres and we also have to prepare people and get them ready to take over yeah. for us when when we're done. And and not only the people that work here, but we're always worrying about the audience what's coming up because when people get to 65 or 70, they're not coming down here much anymore. Maybe they'll come to an amphitheater show to see something. But you need to nurture that audience that is 16, 22, 24, 25, and make this an important event to them. You know, Because a lot of people in southeastern Wisconsin look at Summerfest as their event, their party. It's our festival. And we want to keep nurturing that because we want that 25-year-old to be coming back when he's 50. Yeah. And then we want his kids to be coming in, too. You know, that's what's made this festival successful for the years it's been here. So when you look at Billie Eilish, that's Gen Z. And when you look at um, Lionel Richie and Michael McDonald, that's Boomer. And, and there's everything in between. Yeah. So that's the beauty of this festival when you, when you look and compare yeah. um, to other festivals. Yeah. And we tell people all the time, with that eclectic lineup, come on down. I mean, it's $23. You buy an 11-day pass for 120 bucks, right? So it's the best bargain you're going to find. But come on down and try something new. If you've never listened to hip-hop, Go listen to Boogie with the Hoodie, you know. If you don't like country, go take another shot. You might like it. And just wander around and soak it all in. And as we always tell people the first time they come to the festival, the most important thing, soak it all in. And as you've said, you never know uh, who those bands might turn into down the road, right. too, if you see yeah, them absolutely. early. Uh, I'll finish with just a couple quick questions because you guys have been very kind with the time. Uh, let's look at this year's lineup. Let's start with uh, the amphitheater shows. Each of you maybe give me one that you're particularly excited for, one you think that is going to maybe bring something fresh or new, besides Billie Eilish, since we've talked about her, right. to Summerfest. I, I, I think Jennifer Lopez, yeah. I, uh, I don't even look at that as a concert. I look at that as a spectacular. And I think people are going to be blown away as to the type of show that she puts on and how super talented she is in yeah. everything that she's done or does and and you know she's highly professional and very disciplined that and that that's just for me I'm really looking forward to that yeah I think people should go and look at the Outlaw Music Festival with Willie Nelson because it's not just Willie Nelson. It's the Avid Brothers. It's Phil Lesh and Friends. It's Counting Crows. It's Allison Krauss. It's Dawes. All these great bands. It starts at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, so that's just a great party within a party. And then how about on the ground stage? Is anyone that uh, pops out that you're especially proud of uh, either landing this year or especially excited to see? Um, I'd have to think about it. All right. Lizzo. Ooh. All right. Lizzo is the best. You know who Lizzo is? I do not, but I will go, go take a listen. listen to Lizzo. I think the song is called The Juice. She's, she's just great. And, and that'll be fantastic. And The Lonely Island. You know who that is? 
Do you huh? know who that huh? is? Yeah. How about that? How much fun is that going to be? <laughs> you know, what are some of the songs he's in? I'm on a boat with T Pain, or uh, I'm trying to think of Captain Jack Sparrow. All those movies, all those videos that he did for Saturday Night Live. It's Adam Sandler or Adam San- Andy Sandberg. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, so that's going to be a party too. Yeah, I know uh, Rob Haswell, our meteorologist. His daughter very excited for the Lonely Island. Yeah, I think that's going to be a hoot. Uh, Don, I'll finish with this. Uh, if you could just kind of wrap up, what makes a, a successful festival for you guys? So much work, so many hours go into it. At the end of the eleven days, how do you know that uh, you guys rocked it again this year? Well, I think um, uh, safety and security is is at the top of the list. That everyone had a great time. Um, everyone was safe. Um, you know, when you handle that many people, there's a lot of different things that can happen. And, you know, if, uh, if we all wake up on day 12 and um, there are no major incidents or anything like that, that certainly goes towards a um, well-executed festival. Um, good weather would help. Uh, and as we get closer to the festival, I, I think people will... Um, be excited and be ready to show up. We've had a very long winter. It seemed like winter just extended right in the spring, and then spring wasn't much of a spring either. So we're hoping that um, there's a lot of pent-up demand. You saw a lot of it in the box uh, when they were on their run, and and, uh, all the people that went out to the Deer District, which was fantastic. Um, And and we're looking for that kind of enthusiasm. People are ready to celebrate, I think. You bet. There you go. Yeah. Thank you guys very much for all the time. You're welcome. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. It is time now for the very first Fox Six Pack of Questions. This is going to be a quick moment on the podcast to get to know uh, the people that you see every day on Fox Six, and I promise I'm going to spread these around, but had to start with a fellow wake-up person, Angelica Duria, here for the first time. How are you doing? Good, and fellow millennial. Yes, indeed. We're holding it down for the young crew on the morning. (laughs) A little background, Angelica started here at Fox Six back in 2010. You've done just about everything at the station, nights, weekends, and a long time on Wake Up. Uh, It's been a good run for you. It really has i'm coming up on nine years in october which is crazy that's crazy Uh, to be honest when i first came here i thought i was only going to be here for what three years the length (laughs) of the contract i just kept renewing and no um moving to milwaukee um you end up falling in love with it and right now we're going to be here for quite some time well that's a perfect way to get into this because we're not going to ask you really anything about your job (laughs) so this is going to all be about the city and about (laughs) your life here uh besides the job and besides what uh you initially liked about the station what drew you to milwaukee why'd you want to move here well, initially, obviously, was it's close to family yeah. or close enough. Um, I grew up right outside of Chicago on the on the western in the western suburbs. So um, from where my mom lives right now, my mom and my stepdad they're about two hours away. So it's nice because I we could always you know drive down um, for a weekend or even for a day trip. Yeah. Um, and so that was a big thing about Milwaukee. Uh, before here, I lived in Arkansas, so that was a twelve hour drive. So it was nice to be. To be in a city that's uh, relatively close to home and in a fairly big city. Yeah. And if you think about Milwaukee, and I know people hate this comparison, but they do say it's kind of like a smaller Chicago. And that was the vibe I felt when when I first moved here. But um, no, it's definitely uh, grown on me. And I kind of prefer Milwaukee to there Chicago. There you go. All right. Sorry for... <laughs> My hometown folks. But, yeah, no, Milwaukee's home now. Very cool. Uh, I know this changes a little bit because we both have young babies at home yes. now. But outside of work <laughs> and home with the babies, yes. uh, where are we most likely to find you around town? Oh, goodness. 
Um, restaurants. Yep. And uh, not, I wouldn't say bars because I'm not a bar person anymore. I don't stay out late. Um, I, yeah, restaurants or like a brewery. Yeah. Um, something where you can sit down, socialize, eat good food. All right. Any favorites you want to throw out? The Noble. Nice. I would say. Yeah. Um, you and I can agree on yes, that. Yes, one of mine as uh, well. Carl, um, I absolutely love Noble Brunch. Okay. Which they only do it once a week on Mondays. So if you can head down to the Noble, it's in Walker's Point. They're just, it's such good food for relatively affordable prices, um, even for dinner. Um, it's, you can't go wrong. Uh, another favorite of mine is um, Odd Duck Yeah. in Bayview. Those are, I would say, my two favorite restaurants. All right. Well, you were the perfect, perfect, perfect person to have on this next question as well with the restaurant loves. Uh, what was the last great meal you had around the area? Speaking of the noble, that was our last <laughs> uh, for my birthday, which was actually two weeks ago. I took um, I took the Monday off and we went to brunch with nice. our baby. Yeah. Um, we still had to wait, so they don't take reservations. So depending on what time you get there, you kind of have to wait, but it was well worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I still have not tried their brunch, so I have to to get there. I've done the dinner there. All right. Uh, this is going to be a fun one because I'm a movie buff. Who plays you in a movie? Oh, goodness. I, ooh. (laughs) Uh, my (laughs) options are limited because there aren't very many, um, Asian actors out there. But uh, uh, maybe Constance Wu. I like I it. Know. All right. Yeah. yeah. From Fresh Off the Boat. And coming off of Crazy Rich, Rich Asians, Asians as well. I mean, Great I'd be choice. honored if she could play me. That'd be amazing. <laughs> we'll get her people and your people <laughs> together and see if this can work out. Uh, what is a talent or skill that we should really know about? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't have any. That's oh, not true. I'm pretty boring. Um I eat a lot. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, cooking? I, yeah, there we go. Everyone knows that. I mean, I do dining with Duria, for goodness sakes. But no, it, I guess cooking would be a skill because um, for people who knew me way back when, I didn't even know how to cook eggs. So okay, so this is a training thing. going there yeah. to making some pretty good recipes. Um, I follow directions well. <laughs> and I think that's, that's how I gotten to cooking. Very nice. <laughs> and I've tried many of your stuff and it's all been good. So <laughs> clearly very skilled. Uh, last one we have for you. What is the most random job you've ever had in your life? Hmm. I worked um, as a, I guess, as a secretary, if they you use that term anymore, um, at a car dealership. I took <laughs> in all the deposits and I did the input that in the system and also... Um, I took all the payments for, or I guess I was essentially a cashier for um, like the parts and the, the service department nice. at a dealership. For a while or for? For a summer. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm trying to think, what were other my, oh, just like service industry jobs. Yep. Worked at Panera in high school. Nice. But other than that, yeah. All Nothing right. too crazy. I like it. That's Angelica Duria. Did you like this? Did you enjoy this? <laughs> that you survived? Easy. I was nervous. No, we're not going to grill you. I'm never on this side of <laughs> Yeah, you're the one the, asking uh, the questions. so I wasn't sure what to expect. Well, thank you for being our debut guest. Well, thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> Well, that is a wrap on the debut episode of Definitely Milwaukee. Hope you enjoyed it and hope you'll continue to listen in. We think we have some pretty fun interviews coming down the road for you. Thank you once again to Don Smiley, Bob Babish, and Angelica Duria for joining us on this very first episode. And a huge thank you goes as well to the one person you did not hear from. That would be Leanne Watson making all the magic happen 
behind the scenes for this podcast. If you do want more Definitely Milwaukee, and hopefully you do, make sure to uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast service. Leave us a review as well. That really helps out uh, things, especially if it's a good review, of course. And a reminder that you can download this podcast and the other ones from Fox 6 anytime on our website, fox6now.com. That's it for now, but we have a lot more for you coming soon. Hope you'll continue to listen. Tribune Audio Network.